Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Welcome to the Action Catalyst. Today, I am so excited to have as our guest, Lars Tavis. In case you want to look that up, it's spelled T-E-W-E-S. It's a German name. Lars happens to be half German and half English, and he is the managing director of SBR Consulting. SBR Consulting is based in London, England. It is a global sales consultancy focused on elevating the practice and the profession of sales. Lars is the managing director, which in U.S. terms would be the president of that company. And I've been able to work with Lars and know him for the last 30 plus years. He was one of the first Europeans to join the Southwestern Advantage summer program for students, came back as a multiple times leader and became the first district sales leader from Europe in Southwestern Advantage. Then he became the first regional sales leader. After that, he headed up the London-based division of Thinking Ahead, which is our global search and recruitment firm. But he always had a passion for helping companies and business people change the way they think and improve their sales results at the same time, and has been doing that. The client list of SBR Consulting includes firms like Google, Facebook, Expedia, Arup, which is one of the largest civil engineering firms in the world, Rackspace, as well as hundreds of other consultancies of all sizes and companies of all times. SBR Consulting doesn't work with any specific type of company. They focus on improving sales and sales leadership in all of their client companies. So Lars, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon from here and good morning to you. Sounds fantastic. Lars, could you share with our listeners maybe some of the biggest uh, points of decision that you made along the way in your career as you move from knocking on doors as a university student and what led you to that decision in the first place and then how things progressed through search and then into SBR? Well, Dan, I appreciate you asking that question. And uh, obviously, you mentioned you were, were planning on asking me that before. So I was thinking, what are the pivot points? And uh, it's it's interesting, having not written a book about this yet, uh, and maybe I'll never will, uh, it's quite hard to sort of isolate two, three, four key areas, but um, I'm going to try and do that in the next sort of minute. Uh, if I do reflect back, probably the first pivot point, and I wasn't going to mention this initially, but I think it all stemmed from there, was uh, I never really planned on doing a degree. I never really planned on going to further education. And uh, if if I go back and probably the first pivot point was, uh, I can still remember my father driving me from university to university. Um, um, giving me a choice as to which one I would go to, but not giving me a choice as to whether I would go to one or not. So um, I would say, had he not done that, I'd have had a very different uh, career. Um, I ultimately chose to do business studies uh, because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And business studies is such a fantastic degree because it gives you a chance to do everything from accounting to economics to marketing to quantitative analysis to uh, psychology. Uh, but what was really interesting in the four-year degree course, there wasn't uh, any module on this thing called sales. Uh, and my father had always been in sales and was a great sales leader and general manager. And, and then I heard about this crazy summer job 
in America, uh, many, many miles away from the UK, uh, where I was told by uh, an individual who's now become a very good friend of mine, Pete Ferre, about uh, that he'd teach me how to run my own business, how to sell professionally and could make a bit of money. So I suppose the first pivot point was being encouraged to go to university. The second pivot point was uh, actually heading off to America uh, when I was around 20 to learn about professional sales. Um, I did that for a number of years and then we set up thinking ahead. And I guess the third pivot point would be 17 years ago when myself and some colleagues were so frustrated with the world's perception on sales, really. Um, you know, people think selling is a black art. They think it's a, a gift of the gab. They, they come up with phrases like, yeah, he's so good in sales, he could sell ice to Eskimos. Or, and, and myself and a, a few colleagues decided that we needed to try and change the world, I suppose. So we, we set up a company called SBR Consulting um, that, with the whole vision of making sales a profession that people could be proud of uh, and putting rigor. Um, so those are probably the three main pivot points, Dan. And I, I have to add a fourth one, which was 14 years ago when the first of our three children arrived. And I think anyone that's got kids would say, uh, and lucky enough to have a family, you probably have more life lessons from, from them than many other areas. So, Well, I would say that is absolutely the truth and, and an amazing summary. Now, when, when you first got started, because we have many of our listeners are starting companies or trying to plan to start up, uh, how on earth did you take an American-based company and help companies in the United Kingdom realize that there's a lot that they could learn from this company and break through some of the cultural barriers? Because those exist in many places. Hmm. Well, first of all, it wasn't just me. There was a team of us. So we all got together. And uh, I guess... It's interesting when you think about globalization of, of businesses and the various cultures, uh, there are so many different ways that we do things. But um, what we realized as a team was when you look at humans and behavior, it really is around forming the right habits. And uh, when we looked at the world of sales and true professionalism, we realized that there were three core, core areas for professional selling, one being the skills that the individual has, uh, another being very much their own personal sales motivation, and, and, and the third being the, the systems or their own self-management. So, so we tried to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, and again, funnily enough, 17 years on, that's still the message, um, even though we now have a very different world with um, a lot more CRM and sales technology. It's amazing how when we go into companies uh, and anyone that's thinking about setting up their own business right now, I would encourage you to really focus around um, the individuals and the skills, their sales motivation and, and the systems or the self-management that they are applying. Mm -hmm. Because fundamentally, it's the individual that is customer facing or prospect facing. They represent the company. Absolutely. And, and we were very lucky enough to read a little uh, booklet, which was of a speech called The Common Denominator of Success. Uh, by Albert E. Gray. And, you know, he talked about the common denominator of success is all about forming the, the habits that unsuccessful people don't like to do. And so, uh, again, a, a really important message that we share internally and externally with all our clients is, you know, what are the, what are the habits that are being formed? Um, because if you're not forming good habits, you are unconsciously forming bad ones. 
Well, that's an interesting point. So if we're not consciously forming good habits, we're unconsciously forming bad. What, what do you think helps you convey the message to sales organizations and sales leaders about why these habits need to be formed, even though the things unsuccessful people don't like to do? How do you help them get that, get to that point? Um, again, uh, I guess there's a, a few ways that we do that. One, one of them, probably the most important one, is even though we're in this very technological world, we do spend quite a bit of time with the individuals and, and we like to go and shadow and, and we look at the behaviors of the individual. Um, uh, something that I think is very interesting, the more we look at it, there's this debate as to should we put structure into the process or or if we put a structure into our sales process, it's going to take away people's creativity because the structure will stop them from being able to think. Uh, and I suppose one really key message that we would share is, funny enough, if the more structure you to put in place, the more flexible someone can be. Um, an analogy I often like to use is, uh, I don't know if any one of your listeners have, has been skiing. I'm sure many of you have. I I was fortunate enough to marry a, a French lady who um, has skied her entire life and encouraged me to take up skiing when I was about 30. So I've had to experience it the hard way. And um, the, the analogy I always like to share is that if you, if you go to the top of a mountain and you attempt to ski having no structure or understanding and you go off piste, you probably aren't coming back onto the slope. You'll, you'll end up at the bottom having gone down a very uncomfortable way. But um, if you are a very good skier and you really know the structure and the, and the process that sits behind skiing, then you can kind of go off piste anytime you want, but you can equally come back onto it wherever you want. So, so one of the biggest messages we give to our clients around creating habit is, is make sure that you have put at least some structures and processes in place that your people learn and make habit, and then they can become the wonderful um, creative selves. Uh-huh. That is, that's awesome. Now, Lars, when I introduced you, I mentioned some really well-known companies that are global in scope that you do work with and help develop their sales organizations. But I know along the way, you've also hit points where things weren't going well, uh, what you might call some brick walls. And I'm really curious, from a, a mental and even emotional standpoint, what do you as a leader and as a business builder when you're suddenly faced with something you've never encountered before, something that you're, you're not sure how you can get around it or over it. I thought you promised you weren't going to mention the tough times in the roadblocks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's all good. No, just kidding. Oh, no, it definitely isn't. All good. Um, uh, and anyone that's been in sales or building businesses knows it is, a, is an emotional roller coaster. Uh, and again, I, I would say I've been very fortunate to have a lot of great leaders and mentors uh, helping us on the way. And uh, a couple of the approaches or beliefs that we have one of them is from a personal and a professional perspective something that we've always called the cia rule um you know and it's it's very simple in, in life there are things we can control things we can influence and things we just have to accept uh, and what's interesting is most of us as human beings we spend a lot of our time focusing on the things that we really just have to accept uh, you know, we love in, in the UK, we love to talk about the weather. We love to talk about traffic. We love to talk about this isn't working and that isn't working. But when you really analyze it, when you are going through those tough times, too many people spend too much of the time focusing on the things that they can't control or even influence. So I guess the first message would be to, to break it down and work out what can you control and what can you influence? 
Uh, and again, there's probably only a couple of things you can control. One of them is your own attitude and self-talk, uh, and the other is is your activity. Uh, and that leads me on to the second point I wanted to mention here about what's got us through. A lot of people do focus on the results uh, too much, and, and one of our philosophies is, you know, if you take care of the inputs, uh, then the outputs take care of themselves. Um, in other words, if you spend a lot of time focusing on doing the the effort and, and the, the right type of activity, then ultimately the results will will come through. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because everyone wants to get results in their business, and there's a lot of focus on being results orientated. How do you, how do you focus on those activities when you've got a budget to make and you've got bills to pay and you've got a payroll to be? How do you how do you keep that? <laughs> on those inputs um i'm not sure that's a great question actually i was going to say there's this is a whole whole training module about to happen but in, in a couple of words there's, there's another phrase out there where people talk about sales obviously our world is helping build companies and, and sales people talk about sales as a numbers game uh one of the things we say is it's it's not just a numbers game but it's also what we call a ratio game so um, yes, the result is important, but if you can kind of work your way up the, the, the funnel uh, and you understand, uh, for example, if you, need, if you need 10 wins to achieve your target uh, or whatever that business is, um, then there's probably a ratio between the number of proposals you send out to the number of wins. Um, I mean, let's just say it was three to one. So straight away, you now know that there's 30 proposals or quotes you need to send out. Well, above that, you know, there's a no, you have to do a number of meetings to achieve those proposals. And again, let's say it was five to one every five meetings you hold leads to a proposal. So you've got 30 proposals times the five to one, which uh, I think comes out to 150. So very, very quickly, if you know your um, ratios, then if you focus on those 150 meetings, um, you're probably going to get to those 10 wins, which will lead to the result. So um, I don't know if I've explained that clearly enough in, in short terms, but it's underst understanding the connectivity between the activity and the result that's important. Got it. And by focusing on the controllable, ultimately the result will be there. But I'm sure you also work on ratios, yeah. improving those ratios rather than just accepting them as they are. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh you know, I know in the UK, the last few years, we've talked an awful lot about uh, marginal gains through the work that David Brailsford has done. Uh, again, I, I know I'm a broken record. I was very fortunate 30 years ago where I read a book by Jeff Olson called The Slight Edge. And uh, if you once you know your ratios, and then you can work on how to, you, you can improve them just a little bit here, a little bit there. And, um, uh, in fact, 30 years ago, I joined a team that was led by an amazing individual called John Lederbach. And uh, his, uh, his whole team was called The Slight Edge. And uh, it, was, it was a message I've never forgotten. Mm -hmm. makes, makes a lot of sense. Now, when you were first starting, you were pretty much everything. You and, and one or two colleagues had to do everything in the business, which worked really, really well. But then at some point, if you really want to grow the business, you've got to figure out what to let go of and what to delegate and how to develop other people. What, what are some of your key learnings about how to grow your team, knowing that you want to be highly responsible, in control of the output that goes to your clients, but at the same time, letting go 
and giving other people opportunities. Any any observations on that? Um, I think if you spoke to the team we're working with now, they'd say I'm still challenged with that. I, I find it quite hard to let go of things. But uh, I, I guess the most important element is that you do find the right people. Uh, I've listened to a number of the podcasts that you've been running, Dan, and uh, it's amazing how many times the same message comes over and over again. It's uh, if you if you're able to recruit the right people, then the rest is is much easier. Um, so we've definitely recruited some fantastic people, and what we then do is we spend an awful lot of time just having people shadow and observe uh, and understand how to do the role. Uh, okay, so a lot of a lot of job shadowing, uh, spending time. That's right. All part of the the onboarding process. At the same time, you want people to start generating sales. So, how do you, as a leader and as a developer of others, uh, again keep the focus on developing them and not just putting too much pressure to immediately start getting financial results? Um, again, in our world, it's in our business. It's very much around delivery and sales. So, one of the uh, philosophies of our business is that everybody is both a sales professional and a, and a consultant through deliverer. So uh, in recent years, we've we've really focused on people becoming very good at the delivery first and truly understanding um, the offering and the knowledge. And then built on that confidence, they're then able to spend more time, again, understanding what their ratios are around their, mm-hmm. their activity. Now, going back to something you said a little before in the area of controllables, one of those is, is self-talk. Um, when you've hit unexpected obstacles or when you've lost a key team member, when you've tried to recruit someone and they've decided not to join you, when a client says, uh, sorry, we've taken another supplier, these are, these are setbacks that affect anybody in business. What's, what's your mental frame? What, what do you do in terms of self-talk, in terms of approach to that? So self-talk is something which, when I first heard the term, uh, and any of you that are listening to this and you've never heard that phrase before, uh, I definitely thought it was uh, something a bit strange. I didn't even think we did it. But then uh, someone explained to me that we all have self-talk. We wake up in the morning and this internal tape starts. Uh, so over the years, I've really listened to the, uh, my own internal dialogue and uh, I guess if it's if it's if I'm allowed to, I, I have something that I do say every day, uh, and again, it's something very personal, uh, and it's it's a few phrases which I've heard over the years, and I often talk to people. I say you don't necessarily please don't use the same ones that I'm using, but it would be very valuable to come up with your own version. So, so when we are going through tough times, the, the first thing I say to myself is, you know, enthusiasm is not a random mood; um, it's a daily choice. So I choose enthusiasm. Uh, and I think a lot of people sort of think very enthusiastic people wake up every morning excited and raring to go. And I'm not sure if we all do. So so the first thing I tell myself, look, enthusiasm is not a random mood. Um, it is a daily choice. So, so I might as well choose enthusiasm. Um, the link to that is then I say to myself, you know, a smile is worth millions of pounds or, or dollars, um, but it costs nothing. And so I choose to smile. And again, I think some of us forget how lucky we are, um, even in the tough times, that we are lucky. And a smile is worth so much, but doesn't cost anything. So so a smile is worth millions of pounds, but costs nothing, so I choose to smile. And then the third element, so the one is around enthusiasm, the second is around smile. And then the third one is around this thing, that pressure. Uh, and particularly in the current world, I meet people who Pressure seems to destroy them, and they're, they're getting so stressed with things going on. And um, 
it's a real shame because when you look at high performers out there, uh, in fact, I was watching some of the Grand Slam tennis recently, and it still amazes me how match point against the likes of Nadal and Djokovic and Federer and Andy Murray, when there's total pressure on them, they seem to be able to serve an ace. So uh, another affirmation I like to have is um, pressure may destroy many people in the world, but it seems to bring the best out in high performers. So uh, I like pressure because it brings the best out of me. Uh, it's going to be a great day. So um, I should say, to, I must actually share this with the listeners. Hmm. Sorry, Dan, I'm going to get you on this one. Uh, that's a very long-winded one. But I do know we were talking a while ago around that. And, uh, and I said, do, what do you have? What's your self-talk? And why don't you share with the leaders your very, very simple, but probably more effective self-talk every morning? It's just the two words I I'm grateful. I guess that's three words, isn't it, Lars? I'm grateful. Yeah. I today with that attitude. And I was thinking, yeah. And I was loving, I was thinking, oh, mine's complicated. I, I think I prefer yours. I'm grateful. So either way, both have got us three things. <laughs> no, no doubt about that. Um, now, sometimes high performers and high achievers, they, uh, they, re- they hit a level of success where they say, you know, I'm okay now. Things are going great. I guess I can kind of back off a little bit and enjoy the fruits of the labor. How do you fight the natural tendency that people have toward mediocrity and, and toward accepting maybe maybe less than their best? Because you've pushed yourself to do your best for more than 30 consecutive years in business through all kinds of daunting circumstances. How do you avoid that that sense of complacency? Yeah, that that's when you hear you say 30 years doing it, that that makes me worried. That's uh, I started when I was three. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, that's right. And again, I, I I do, as I've said three or four times already, I feel very lucky that some of the messages that have been shared over the years. And I always remember years ago, uh, Jerry Heffel, sort of at the end of one of the big seminars that we had, who was our, the president of our company then, um, talking about um, three core areas. And he, and, and, and again, this has stuck with me because when you're thinking, how do I push myself and how do I keep going? Um, he talked about, you know, set high goals. And, and it's quite funny being a Brit uh, and half German and having been brought up on, on this side of the pond, we've always been trained in smart goals and set realistic and achievable goals and timely. And then I, I went over to America and uh, I heard Jerry and uh, a lot of my colleagues saying, set high goals, you know, and, and it's okay to set high goals. And I remember having a conversation saying, but what if I don't achieve them? And they said, well, that's the point. Most high performers don't achieve their high goals, but set them anyway. So I think that's a really important message to people um, to be comfortable setting high goals, not just the the realistic ones. Um, In fact, we talk about have a pride level, a realistic and a high. So I would say that's probably one of the first messages to kind of keep one away from mediocrity is, uh, you know, allow yourself to set high goals. Um, and then I guess the second thing he talked about was have great self-talk, which is what we've already covered a little bit earlier on. And then the third bit that rounds it off, he's, he talked about, and, and ultimately, you need to hold yourself accountable. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the most important things for all of us is, um, you know, ultimately, when you, you know, you look at the man in the mirror, um, they're the person that looks back at you and says, have you done what you said you were going to do? So I think it's this fantastic almost recipe or combination of, setting high goals, having great self-talk, and, and then holding yourself accountable to doing what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And when you have those high goals, they're, 
so high they may never be fully achieved. So it's really hard to get complacent when you're in that mode. <laughs> exactly. Huh, I think that's great. Now, interestingly, as I listen to you, you often quote other people, you quote presentations you've attended, you quote books that you've read, you you're incredibly coachable, it seems to me, Lars Tavis, um, and many highly successful business people sort of feel like they know the way and follow me because I know the way. What do you do to maintain so coach, such a coachable attitude? Hmm. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I just, I just find inspiration from what other people say, I suppose. Uh, again, one of my delegates, we were talking a number of years ago about what what is a really important principle in life and he talked about again i'm talking and he sort of talked about he said one of the things i am is i'm curious i i'm always questioning and i'm always asking and i'm just curious and and again that stuck with me so i don't know whether this is answering your question but i i just think i'm really curious about what other people do and um try and behave a bit like a sponge really um, absorb as much as possible well, you find inspiration all around if you're willing to be open to it and look for it. <laughs> and there, I mean, there are so many books. In fact, uh, I would really encourage anyone if they haven't yet done it. Uh, if you, there are some fantastic apps on on your your phone that are um, giving you an opportunity to access a lot of books. Uh, I probably won't. I shouldn't mention any of the names on this call, but there are a few out there that if you do a search for them. And, and I do every morning um, when I'm sitting on the train coming into London, uh, I sort of tune into one of those and I just li listen to a short version of one of these amazing books. Um, so it's sort of a book, a book summary. Yeah, they're book summaries. And then if any of them particularly take my interest, then, uh, you know, I, I've then read, read the fuller version. Um, TED Talks as well. I, 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 crikey. TED Talks is incredible. If you're ever feeling you need some inspiration, just go onto that and, and watch some of the presentations. It sounds like you spend uh, systematic time really restoring yourself, um, sharpening the saw, as Stephen Covey puts it. Would, would you say that that's a priority that you've got that you try never to get away from? Personally, I don't think I do it enough. So I definitely <laughs> I don't think I could say I do it. Uh, it's funny as, as we have this conversation, maybe I do it more than I think, but uh, I actually feel I don't spend enough time sharpening the saw. So uh, that's been a good reminder to myself. Oh, I think it's great. Um, now, Lars, SBR Consulting is part of Southwestern family of companies. And although we're in all different industries, all different shapes and sizes, all different types of people, the one thing that unites Southwestern family of companies is we try to help people achieve their goals in life. That's what we do, whether it's financial services, recruitment, travel, uh, sales coaching, sales consulting, we help people achieve their goals in life. In the process of that, of course, an individual can achieve their own goal. How do you keep the goals of your clients foremost instead of your own goals? How do you kind of keep that ahead? How do you keep the goals of your clients ahead? Um, well, I think it really starts from the very first time you meet with the clients. Uh, we, again, a lot of people, when they think about a, a sales meeting, so whether you're working with us for, as a sales consultancy or those of you listening in right now will be selling everything from, you know, transactional sales to uh, technology, that very first meeting you have with a client really needs to be about understanding their situation and 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 
ask you a lot of questions as opposed to going there and necessarily telling them about how good your product or your service is. So, so I think it starts from the very beginning when you when we understand what the client's objectives are and then we put the proposals together. Uh, the very first page is very much linked to what their goals are. And then if we are lucky enough to win the work, then all the programs that are delivered, whether it's a sales playbook or whether it's a training program or it's sales strategy, it's all linked to, I mean, it has, it's, it's all tied together by their, their objectives. Start first by understanding what they've got, deliver that, and it tends to take care of your own success. It's a, another one of those Stephen Covey phrases, isn't it? Uh, seek first to understand and, and then be understood. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how this wisdom comes back and, and just takes it yeah. Get whatever you want out of life as long as you help enough other people get what they want out of life. I know. These, again, we, I think sometimes we don't give all these amazing individuals enough credit for what they've done to help us. Well, I think you consistently do that. Um, Lars, everybody that is, is listening to this that's in business, they're, they're selling something. They're selling an idea, a concept, an opportunity, a product, a service. Um, what would you advise to remain proud of being in sales despite the objections, despite the rejection, and despite the fact that many people don't understand sales? Any sort of closing thoughts for the people that sell? And that's pretty much all of us. The first message I would probably share is that sales is a transference of conviction. And it's really important that if you are selling something, you have to believe in what you're selling. And in fact, we share this with a number of clients. And and I've had a lot of one-to-ones with individuals on clients where they do sometimes come and say, you know, I've kind of lost faith in what I'm what I'm doing. Uh, and and I, I tell them, go find someone who loves what you do and go, go shadow them for a day and get some of their inspiration. So I think the first message I would say is uh, sales is this transference of conviction. So it, it has to come through, otherwise you'll find it hard. Um, I think the second element is uh, true sales professionals are curious about their clients. They're continually curious and really interested in, in how they can help add value to that other business. Um, and what's amazing is if you add value to your client, then it does come back into your own business. So um, I'd say those are two core messages to, mm-hmm. to share with the listener. Sales is a transference of conviction. That's, uh, that's powerful. And if we've lost our conviction, there's ways that we can get it back. Shadowing others, reading, listening, thinking, reminding ourselves of past victories. To get that conviction because then we're able to truly serve the client comes from a position of confidence and strength and not from a position of being needy and, uh, and weak. I think, I think that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. And I think, I think if you're proud to be in a sales role, wherever you, you should believe in what you're selling. And, and again, and I'm going to say this in the nicest possible way. If, if someone doesn't believe in what they're selling, you know, you're actually not helping your company. So potentially, Find find something you believe in and uh, are passionate about. So, yeah, I think that's fantastic. Well, Lars, I know you've got clients all over the world. Uh, I think last year you and your colleagues delivered training in something like forty different countries. Uh, that's so right. You've got a lot ahead of you today. So I want to thank you on behalf of all of our listeners for for sharing some of your story, some of your attitudes and philosophies that are truly making a difference to to elevate the world of sales and professionalism and make the place better. Brilliant. So on behalf of all of our listeners, thank you so much for being on the Action Catalyst.
Fantastic. Thank you very much, Dan, and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to interview me. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.